This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. He called me at 11 p.m. one night, and I knew that was strange. I answered. He's like, well, you're not going to believe it. The Bears are trying to trade me. I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're at camp. What are you talking about? <laughs> so that was 11 p.m. I think it was by noon the next day. He was going to the Panthers. Welcome to Fast Lane Family with Kelly Earnhardt Miller. Welcome to Fast Lane Family presented by Charlie Soap. If you haven't yet, go to charliesoap.com and learn more about this amazing cleaning brand. They've got products for just about every project you need to tackle, whether indoor or outdoor, kitchen and bath, and of course, the dreaded laundry. I wouldn't back a product that I didn't believe in, so I encourage you all to check them out and get started on that cleaning project that you've been putting off. This week in studio, I'd like to welcome Kara Olson, a wife of Greg Olson. Greg's a tight end player for the Carolina Panthers, and I know you're wondering why Kara Olson, why football. I'm going to tell you about a great promotion that we have going on with Greg's foundation um, and Kara and with the Dell Jr. Foundation in partnership with them. So we'll talk about that a little later, but first let's meet Kara. Kara, how are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Very good. I hope that um, the the cold front came in this morning, I hear. so I hope. <laughs> from 95 yesterday, and we might get to 85 today. That's the cold front. So Looking forward to it. Yes. Well, let's start off just getting to know a little about you and Greg. And I want to start with kind of, you know, where you guys met and grew up and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Well, I grew up in Orlando, Florida. Okay. So um, when I picked a college, I didn't want to be too far from home. So I picked the University of Miami. It was about four hours from home. And um, my freshman year, I lived in a dorm there called Pearson Mahoney Residential Dorms. And I was on the first floor and Greg lived on the seventh floor. And we would constantly see each other around. We had mutual friends who eventually um, introduced us in um, the dining hall at the <laughs> at the dorm. Yeah. And then um, we'd always see each other around. And I think it was about November. We um met in a bar in Coconut Grove, which is where the college students go to the bars down at University of Miami. And he walked up to me and we became the best of friends instantly. We we had a good friendship. And then about the summertime, going into our sophomore year of college, we started to date. Oh, cool. And we've been together. I think it's almost 10 or 11 years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys, so I had read online that was maybe around 2003, 2004 when you guys had yeah. met originally. Yep. 2003 then, we met and then 2004 we started dating. Started dating. And you didn't get married till 2009? No. Mm-mm. I like am a beautiful act- wedding it in was beautiful. Florida. Yep. It was in Palm Coast, Florida at the Hammock Beach Resort. It's kind of secluded, which was nice with our guests and everything that they just kind of got a weekend away with, you know, no media, yeah. nothing like that. <laughs> it was really nice. We enjoyed it. It was about an hour and a half from where I grew up. So it was kind of a little bit of a hike for Greg's family and our friends in Chicago at that time. But it was nice. We made a weekend of it and we all enjoyed our time. So you mentioned your Chicago friends and uh, in 2009, Greg played for the Chicago Bears. What was the transition like from college to going to play for an NFL team? Just you mentioned the media and the note, you know, that kind of thing and, and your wedding, you know, shying away from that and giving your guests that privacy. What was that like? The move to Chicago um, was an adjustment. You know, I've never left Florida I was close to home and I never had been to Chicago nor had Greg. We both have families who are originally from New York City in the area surrounding areas. So that was always the city we visited and whatnot. So I remember flying into Chicago O'Hare and getting off and seeing signs for Wisconsin and Iowa and it seemed so foreign to me. But it was so quick that we learned to love Chicago. It became home almost instantly. The fans were, it was like something I'd never seen. 
when we moved there in the summertime, it was baseball season. Chicago is absolutely crazy about their sports. And so they said, all right, right now the city may seem divided to you, but once the fall comes, it's we all come together to cheer on the Bears. And I think that pretty much summed it up for me in Chicago. They were diehard fans. I mean, passionate, sometimes too passionate at times. <laughs> um, but they were always so great to Greg and I and our families. And we still go back all the time. We were actually in Chicago this past weekend for a friend's wedding. And they're still so warm. And some at times it still seems like a little bit of home yeah. when we go back. Chicago, I visited there a few <laughs> times and I could get real used to uh, shopping there. The oh city. Oh, the city. There's so much to do. It's crazy. We, um, growing up, going always back to New York City to visit family and friends back there. I thought it was fabulous, but now I was like, there is no greater city, downtown area than Chicago. It's clean. The people are nice. The food's top-notch. Yes. And we just enjoy going back. So I want to spend some time talking about, you know, life as a football wife. Mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of uh, women in NASCAR mm -hmm. and life on the road and, and being in a high-profile situation. So tell me about football life because, um, you know, the difference that I see and Greg talked about this as we were working on this foundation promotion mm -hmm. that we're going to do. You know, he said starting for training camp in July, mm -hmm. it's game on for him yeah. until the end of the season. Oh, yeah. So so talk. tell me all about life as a football wife. It's, um, it's not as bad as I think people think. They're not gone as much. Other than training camp, they're gone for almost three weeks, which is hard. Hard on the kids, hard on so me. So literally you don't see him for three weeks? Um, he'll come back. They get occasional nights off since they – um renegotiated the CBA. I think it's every sixth night they get okay. to come home or something of that sort. Um, so I get to see them a little more frequent. Or if I go down to camp and take the kids to a practice, which I try and do pretty often. But And then during the season, it's just one night a week that they're gone. Unless they travel to the West Coast, they'll go for two nights. But every Saturday night, even home games, they go and stay in a what they call the team hotel mm -hmm. or if they travel the city. So if they're going to an away game, they'll leave Saturday mornings travel to the city of wherever it may be, stay the night and then have the game and come home immediately following the game. So it's actually not too bad. I mean, his schedule is pretty intense during the season, you know, leaves, I think the house around 6am doesn't get home with traffic sometimes until 6.30, 7pm. So um, it's, it's hard. But you know what, I always say the off season's great. He gets yeah. a few months off, although Greg doesn't really ever take time <laughs> off. Once you get to really know Greg, he is so passionate about what he does. We tease him all the time because every day he's in there working out, training, taking videos, showing me, hey, you want to see what I did working out today? I'm like, oh, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> nice. So but, during the uh, football season, they're working out, they're going to the club daily and, and yes. so that's 6, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. thing. Uh -huh. Do you travel? Do you and the family travel to the games? I try. I obviously with three little ones, I have, you know, my oldest just turned three and then I have tw twins that are 21 months. It's sometimes difficult to travel with all of them. We are not able to travel with the team. So it's, you know, we incur our own costs and, you know, it's our choice to book our flights. And, you know, there a lot of times we'll stay at the team hotel and get our own room and whatnot. But sometimes, like, I'll go to Atlanta because it's a dri drive away. Drive, right. or um, I'll probably go down to the first game in Tampa just because my family's close to there. So I try to go to a few games. Before kids, I tried to go to a lot of the away games. But um, with the kids, it's kind of what they can handle. So when you go to the football game, where do the family sit of the players? There is... um. 
at the Panther Stadium, they a lot of times give they give pretty good seats kind of all over the stadium. In, in Chicago, we had a section where they housed all the family members. Got you. But at the Panthers, it's a little bit different. We're kind of all over the stadium, but they always give us great, great seats. But actually, we split a box with Ryan Khalil, the center, and his family. So we're able to bring the kids to all the games, and they, you know, we bring toys for them so that all the kids play yeah. together. And actually, Natalie, his wife, and I can enjoy the game a little bit. Yeah. So. You always have to, uh, with toddlers especially, you've got to uh, plan you oh, know, yeah. the things that are going to exactly. keep them busy so that you can have somewhat of an yeah. enjoyable time. I mean, my oldest son, um, Tate, he was just turned two during last season. And he was he loved the games. He would sit in this seat and watch the entire thing. He loved the entrance, loved the national anthem, loved the halftime show, loved every aspect of the football game. But the twins, I don't know. They're pretty busy. So. <laughs> so when Greg was traded from the Bears to the Panthers in 2011, were you pregnant with Tate then or had you maybe had I had Tate? just had Tate. So okay, I had, just Tate, had Tate June 6th, 2011. And um, I was in, I think it was late July. Greg was heading to Bears training camp. He, for whatever reason, he went like a day early. I think he had something in his contract that he had arrived to camp like a day early or something of that sort. So he went to camp and I flew down to Florida because my niece was being born. So Tate and I flew down to Florida. He was what, six weeks old, I believe. And not even, we never even thought anything of a trade. It didn't cross our minds. There was nothing. I was like, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. I'll come visit you at Bears camp. And that's it. So he called me at 11 p.m. one night and I knew that was strange. I answered. He's like, well, you're not going to believe it. My agent, Drew Rosenhaus, just called me and the Bears are trying to trade me. I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're at camp. What are you talking about? (laughs) And he said, yeah, they're trying to trade me. So he's kind of just told me to stay put until everything gets figured out. So that was 11 p.m. I think it was by noon the next day. He was going to the Panthers. So said his goodbyes to his teammates for the Bears, went back from Bourbon, Illinois, where their training camp was, headed two and a half hours back to our house in Illinois, packed up a duffel bag of items and flew out to Carolina. Literally the next day. The, so so the, in a the same day, hour period. The same day as <laughs> yeah. the trade happened, wow. he was in Carolina that by that evening. Or no, it was... Actually, I think it was the next day. So he said, all right, Kara. Fortunately, I was a realtor up there. He was like, you got to sell our house. You have to pack up our house. I'm not going to be able to get back there and I'll find us a rental home down in Carolina. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. All right, well, we'll do what we <laughs> have to do. you're in Florida, your and niece the is teams, being born. The you're teams like, don't, They don't um, help. They don't they cover don't. your travel costs or anything. It's, you know. It says, see ya. Yep. You're, you're a panther is, now. <laughs> you're a panther now, exactly. But it's turned out to be the greatest blessing ever. We absolutely love it here. They've, like I said, it's become home. Yeah. So. Well, so you, you have Tate and you move to Charlotte mm-hmm. and, and then you become pregnant again with twins. Yeah. And 21-month-old twins Talbot and yeah. TJ. Uh-huh. And during your pregnancy, you found out that you had um, an issue with one of the twins. Yeah. And I want you to talk about that. Sure. Um, at my 18-week anatomy scan, they call it. They do it a little bit earlier when you have multiples. So they did it 18 weeks. You know, everything checked out great with Talbot. looks perfect. They got to TJ, and I saw her checking his heart, and then she went to other organs, checked, you know, doing the measurements, and then she went back to his heart, and she, the sonographer said, something looks a little strange with his heart, but it could be the angle. I'm just going to send you over to the Sanger Institute to get a fetal echo on his heart. And I'm like, this was completely foreign terminology to me and Greg we had no idea and they said um, well we can't get you in there for three four weeks Mm -hmm. so Greg actually called over to um, the head trainer over at the Panthers 
and said, is there any way you can get us in earlier? My wife's a wreck, I'm a wreck. We just want to know what's going on. I think I got my um, my ultrasound at 11 that morning. At 2 that afternoon, we were at the Sanger Clinic getting an echo on TJ's heart, what they considered baby A at that time. <laughs> baby A. Baby A and baby B. Baby B. <laughs> baby B checked out good. Baby A was the one with the issue. <laughs> and um, so we um, found out that he was going to have a, be born with a condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome which in layman's terms, this his left ventricle never developed in utero. So he was going to essentially be born with half of a heart. You know, some people decided to terminate the pregnancy, which was not an option to Greg and I. And we found out we'd have to, he would have to undergo three open heart surgeries, the first within the first week of life. Otherwise, this was 100% fatal. Wow. So at two days of life, TJ had his first open heart surgery, which was called the Norwood pr- procedure. And you did all this at Levine's? Through all Levine's. of this at Levine's. We actually flew up to Boston the day after we received the diagnosis. And because they have what was considered the top pediatric cardiology surgeon and team. So we flew up there. Actually, we were, we were heading on a commercial flight on the day we were, fly- we were heading to the airport. And Mr. Richardson, Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Panthers, called us and said, I heard about your son. Can I escort you guys up to Boston and come with you? And he came in on all the meetings with wow. the surgeons, the fetal echo that they did up there. He was truly amazing, and he was able to get us in to see the surgeon, Ben Peeler, here at Levine's the next day, the day we flew back from Boston, when they said, you have one of the top surgeons in Charlotte, North Carolina. We recommend that you don't leave home to come up here in Boston. So we felt that was a blessing. And so there lies the blessing from Chicago to Charlotte. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You you could live right here. We were meant to be here. Right. You could could Mm -hmm. take care of your son right here at Levine's, right in your hometown. Uh And it was what? We hadn't even been living in Charlotte for a year. Wow. Yeah. And TJ, you you mentioned Jerry Uh Richardson, so I read TJ is named after Jerry. Yes, his middle name. um, We knew we were going to name him Trent. And when Jerry was just so wonderful to us, I said, we have to honor him in some way. And my mom's like, what if you guys name him TJ? Call him TJ, Trent, Jerry. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. (laughs) This is his. It fits him already. TJ, he will be. Awesome. So in the process, has he had the three surgeries? He's had two of the three. Two of the three. Um, They usually get the third around three years of life, but TJ's a big boy and he has another issue. He has a leakage in his tricuspid valve. It's been causing some issues here and there, nothing major, just some little bumps in the road. So they may want to address it a little bit earlier. So they're saying maybe his third surgery will be this fall. So he'll just be two. But you know what? In some ways, it's will be great to get it done and get over, over. <laughs> and move on. You know, that's what I'm thinking as a mom, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, you never want to see your child mm-hmm. go through anything mm-hmm. and, and, you know, are, are, do you stay on pins and needles? Yeah. You know, that I, I know Greg, Greg was <laughs> saying to me yesterday, he goes, you know, my bye weeks in November, maybe we do it then. And I'm like, I can't even think, think about, about this that. right now. I'm like, I can't, I cannot even think about this, but you know, Greg's an unbelievably strong person. He dealt with his fo- first open heart, TJ's first open heart surgery at two days of life. Our other baby being born, being brought home. And he, fortunately, the babies were born during the bye week of the season. Oh, wow. So Can't that was another that blessing. Better. <laughs> another blessing in our life. And Greg never missed a practice, nothing. He was would go to the hospital, spend the nights with TJ sometimes, or even if he was leaving for an away game, spend the mornings, go early in the morning, spend a morning with TJ before he left town. So... 
He's a truly unbelievable person. So the care that mm-hmm. TJ, um, you know, needed to receive after right. he came home mm-hmm. from Levine's. Talk about that and his continued care today. You mm-hmm. know, what's that like for you guys so, on a daily um, basis? At Levine, they had already had a program called CHAMP, which is like a close monitoring program because a lot of these babies are sent home on feeding tubes, breathing tubes, multiple medications on different formula than our normal baby if they are feeding. So what they ask you to do is monitor his heart rate and oxygen saturation levels on a daily basis, a couple times a day, all his medications, the time that they're received, and then their feedings, how much they take at what times. So it just monitors their growth and, okay, why is this baby not doing well? Why is this baby doing well? So they kind of keep the nurses and they have a nurse that comes in once a week just to see, check in on the baby and the families and everything like that. So that was a great program, but when Greg and I brought TJ home, he was on, like I said, he was fortunately feeding, not great, but decent, so he didn't have to come home on a feeding tube, which was awesome, but his care was really, really intense. You know, I had a newborn baby, I had, Tate was 16 months when the babies were born, and Greg was in full season, Uh so I was like, Greg and I thought to ourselves, how are we going to possibly give him the best care that we could give him? Because the mortality rate between the first and second surgery is about 15%. So how are we going to give TJ the best chance that I could? I didn't know if I could give him all the time that he needed. You know, he was up, had to be up every three hours to feed. His feeding was a struggle. You know, there'd be times where he would take five mLs. That's nothing. That's nothing. And it would take 30 minutes. Wow. You know, so it was just very different. You know, there'd be times where he didn't look right to me. He'd be much more blue. His sats would be low and it would would make us nervous. So we said, let's bring in a nurse to live with us until the second surgery. You know, obviously we have the resources that we're able to do it. And that's another blessing in our life. So let's take that and give our son the best chances that he can possibly be given till the second surgery. So we brought in a nurse from Houston, Texas. Her name is Thadine. She was like an angel from above. And she just spent 24-7 catering to TJ. And Greg and I sat down one day and we said, TJ's doing so well and we believe it's because he has this full-time care aside from me, you know? So we said, why how can we give this to every family that's born with a single ventricle baby? So we met with Dr. Peeler. Greg went to dinner with Dr. Peeler and discussed, is there a way if we fully fund this through our foundation and ourselves, can we give all these babies, however many you get at the hospital, single ventricle babies, because a lot of these parents have to stop working to give the care that they need. You can't send your kid to daycare or have a person that this whole idea, this care is foreign to. How do, you know, they have to quit their jobs or then they no longer have the insurance to cover the medical, you know, it's... Yeah, it, one thing spirals. It affects the, it affects the yeah, next. So there's spirals. just so many things. Unfortunately, I don't have to work. I got to be home with TJ, but I did have two other new babies that also needed me. Not yeah. as much as him, but didn't need me. Yeah. So we brought Thadine in to care for TJ, and we said we have to be able to do this for every family that has been given this hurdle. And, you know, and we want these babies, we, we feel like it will affect them long term in a positive way, you know, because I think their brain grows at a rapid rate the first six months yeah. of life. So Dr. Peeler was on board. He said, let me speak with the team over at Levine. And in August, I think we had our first family or September, we had our first family receive a benefit. Yeah, we talk program. about... You talk about giving TJ the best that you could give him, but you yeah. were really, this was really, really for your whole family. Yeah. Well, it was making you the best mom that you could be, you uh-huh. know, to your other two exactly. children. Exactly. And, um, you know, really, because you, you can't just not 
yeah. pay attention to them and, and then those kids start, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. well, and obviously your your little one was the same age as TJ, but with being twins, but yeah, wow, what a, what a blessing and a story. Goodness. It was, yep. And then to be able to help, you know, for families that are not as fortunate as us, it feels great. Yeah. You know, I experienced that a little on um, my end at my children's school. Uh, one of our teachers mm-hmm. uh, had her fourth child who was born with kidney issues and spent many, many, many weeks at Levine's. Mm -hmm. Eventually they were able to bring him home, but he had to have the constant dialysis. His, I think, I I can't remember if he was born with one kidney or what what the story was, but basically, you know, it wasn't processing and so it was making his body toxic. And the same thing, you know, we all went into help them mode of cooking and and trying to care for their children Mm -hmm. and you know I would talk to the mom when we would see her at school they had three other children they had to bring Mm -hmm. to school and you know she's just like I'm exhausted I'm sure I'm exhausted Mm -hmm. and her family lived away and they would come up for they actually lived in Florida too they would come up for a couple weeks and help out and you know transition Mm -hmm. and and again she had three grown children this was she had a set of twins and an older boy and Mm -hmm. then this this little boy a newborn boy and much of what you explained, you know, she, I was hearing from her every week, you know, I'm just, I'm exhausted. I'm up every hour. Mm -hmm. This is happening. I'm trying to feed him. These wires are coming off. They had to change out things for him and she could have really used a service, you know, a situation like that. Well, that's what I think at moments I, you know, selfishly wanted to do it all myself, you know, us moms do that. Yeah, you want to do that, but then you sit take a step back and I remember I had a moment where I broke down and I said this isn't feasible yeah I can't be the best that I'm going to be without the help of other people you know so you feel like that just being a mom of a perfectly healthy Uh, born child you know I felt like all of the right all of the feedings Uh and that I would do with Mm -hmm. my my son Wyatt and all the things that you would try to do and you just, you want to be super mom. You, you know, hey, I've got this, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then you have those moments you break down and you're yeah. like, I can't and I, do this. And I obviously Greg's, what he does supports our family. So I didn't want to put more on his plate and he never, ever complained or said, Kara, I can't do this. Nothing. But in the back of my mind, I didn't, I wanted to put as little amount on his yeah. plate. And you're having that guilt too. For yeah, him, of yeah, course. For him, right? Of course. Cause you that's want him to pay prime attention. time of his, <laughs> yeah what he needs to do and he has to be there for his coaches and his teammates and all the people that he's committed to you know with the Panthers and his job aside from us as a family and his success each year you know absolutely everything you know this is our livelihood so for his next year of course so So in something bad something good comes out and Greg had already established the Greg Olson Foundation Mm -hmm. and the receptions for research um, after his mom had breast cancer Mm -hmm. and she's a 11 or 12 year 11 year survivor maybe just turn maybe 12 yep yeah yep survivor of breast cancer Mm -hmm. so you added another arm to the foundation called the hardest yard which is Mm -hmm. is what you described and that's this service you guys fund so that nurses can go in full time full time to Mm -hmm. homes and help Mm -hmm. care for children or whatever um care if they need any type of therapies occupational speech any of those therapies tend to hinder these babies you know yeah. So, so in, in doing that, Greg is number 88 mm-hmm. on the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Was he number 88 at the Bears? He wasn't. He was not. No. So how did, how do they assign numbers in football? <laughs> when Greg came here, there was a Gary Barnage was his name. He had number 82 and he's like, you know, I would like 82 again. I, and we talked and I was like, you don't be that guy that comes in and says, that's my number, you know? So he's like, all right, well, these are the numbers. I was like, and we talked about it and he decided on 88 like 
couple days later and I was like I think it was a great choice so they give you a range of numbers that are available yes exactly I think you're like 86 was available 88 was available so he just you know he chose he's like I like so you have a little say in what number you want yes you do (laughs) (laughs) that's cool so Greg's number 88 on the Panthers and obviously Dell Jr. um, in the NASCAR Uh uh, Sprint Cup Series is number 88 Uh and so Greg and and his business manager I guess have been thinking of this idea on a weekend with uh the 88s yes exactly we sat down one day for lunch and and we know we're in NASCAR country, you know, and it was something, a sport that we were not familiar with. Um, I did go to the Daytona 500 once um, and I loved it. It was a blast, went with my family. And then um, when we came here, we've obviously learned a lot more about the sport and have come to really appreciate it and enjoy it. And they have such a great fan base. And I said, what if we did something I, I was like, maybe this seems rather far-fetched, but do something with Dale Jr. He's number 88, you're 88, the city of Charlotte, you know, and rally you guys together and do something spectacular, you yep. know? I think it could be a great team, you know? And so George, Greg's, he helps us with the foundation a lot. He's like, I think that's a great idea. I'm going to reach out to them. Greg's like, that would be amazing. And that's how this came to And here we are. So we are actually announced today, mm-hmm. uh, the weekend with the 88. And it's a partnership with the Dell Jr. Foundation and the Hardest Yard with the idea to raise funds for Levine's in this program right. that you guys have started with Levine's. And one person is going to just win the experience of a lifetime, I think. An ultimate sports weekend package. They're going to um, get a behind-the-scenes tour of junior motorsports, guided access at Martinsville. We're going to go to the uh, Martinsville truck race, garage passes, grandstand tickets, um, exclusive meet-and-greet with Dell Jr. at Martinsville Speedway in October. This very same weekend, all access at Bank of America Stadium, luxury box, locker room, weight room, training, meeting Greg for the a meet and greet and photo mm-hmm. on the field and fully outfitted in Panther gear. And they'll attend the Sunday, October 26th game with the Panthers and the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. So that is just really going to be a lifetime experience and, and very lucky person is going to just have a great time. So we're going to be doing a raffle, 8,888 tickets, uh-huh. go figure, and an 1888 raffle ticket, and fans can enter by purchasing the raffle ticket with all the proceeds going to the Hardest Yard, and that raffle begins on July 23rd and ends September 30th. So you can go to uh, weekendwiththe88s.com for more information on that, and I'm just, I'm really excited about this partnership. I think it's really cool mm-hmm. to, to bring, you know, both Greg and Dale, uh, like you said, both being in this area, mm-hmm. having the number 88s, really to collaborate together from the football and the NASCAR angle, I think yes. is a really cool treat. I think, um, first of all, we can't thank you guys enough. It makes me smile to, <laughs> from ear to ear. I think it's just an unbelievable experience for the fans uh, and anyone to be able to get the access to, you know, the NASCAR world and the NFL world is truly a cool experience. I yeah, kind of wish think, I could buy a few I know, tickets. <laughs> especially on the NFL side because it, it is, is very rare that you get I the know. opportunity to be. The Panthers have been fabulous. Yes. You know, Greg was a little nervous. He's like, I hope I can get the access that <laughs> Dale's able to give from the NASCAR side. But they've been so great to work with. And all around, I think it's going to be once in a lifetime experience for whomever wins it. Yeah, it really will be. And they're even going to get to fly by a helicopter yes. from Charlotte to Martinsville. Mm-hmm courtesy of Mr. Hendrick on his helicopter on Saturday for that truck race in the Meat Dell Jr. So, I mean, really, I'm just sorry only one person can win. <laughs> this is a great opportunity that we can't participate. We're in the fine print that says that no, family members can, can't yes, participate. Exactly. I'm like, darn. <laughs> we don't even get the helicopter to races. Come on now. <laughs> um, so, really, so the, true. 
this is a really awesome thing. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Well, I um, really appreciate you joining us today. Um, Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks for having me. And best of luck with the continuing care of TJ and, and his third surgery. We and appreciate it. Prayers for all of that. Appreciate you, it. You seem like you have it under control, so. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I am Not all the uh, inspired. Time, but... Hey, we can, <laughs> behind closed doors, we oh, can, gosh. Uh, we can break down and let it all out, but yeah. um, some totally a mom thing. So Amanda, we talk a lot about pets on this show. So I thought we could talk about how the indoor outdoor product from Charlie's Soap can be used to wash your pets. Funny thing, just this past week on my way home from Junior Motorsports, I passed a family that was washing their four-legged pet out in the yard. <laughs> so the good thing about Charlie's Soap is because it is green and non-toxic, is completely safe for your pets, um, safe for the animal skin, and uh, you don't have to wear gloves or masks or anything like that, and uh, it rinses away clean. Have you tried this yet? I have not. I don't have a dog. Okay. Um, well, then and my, you can't try it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and my cat, like, if you even put the faucet on Well, you don't put water on cats, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. He, he freaks. <laughs> so I would love to try it, though. I did, um, at one point a few years ago, I had a 110-pound dog. And, yeah, I think you've said you have a boxer that's, yes. that's pretty large. Yes. So they're... They're difficult to bathe, and yes. I actually did mine in the tub, so I really wish that I would have had Charlie's soap because, like, some of those products, they'll really dry out a dog's skin, and it was tough finding any kind of shampoo that would work because, of course, you know, on top of 110 pounds, he had skin allergies. Yes. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, we'll try this on Killer maybe one day because Killer's a boxer, too, Dell's dog, and spends a lot of time here at Junior Motorsports, and he has the same skin issues, so um, we should uh, tackle Killer with Charlie's soap. Yes. There is information online at charliesoap.com on how you can clean your pets. And it says you can even clean your livestock. So, you know, <laughs> if you have a pet pig or a pet cow or maybe we'll have to tell Chrissy Newman about this for Rescue Ranch. Yeah, I actually thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So visit charliesoap.com and check out their full line of products. You can purchase the products right on their site or you can use their store locator to find a place near you that carries their product. Let us hear from you. Test out their products and send me a tweet to let me know what you think. And we'll start airing your responses right here on Fast Lane Family. Okay, it's time for Ask Kelly. Remember that you can submit your questions on my Twitter handle at EarnhardKelly using the hashtag Ask Kelly. And you can also submit those on Facebook at Kelly K. Earnhardt. Our first question is from at Travis underscore Dillard on Twitter. If you were in charge of NASCAR for a day, what change or changes would you make? Probably the first change I would make is to look at the schedule and, and provide a few more off weekends during the 30, you know, for the Sprint Cup Series, there's uh, 38 weekends that they race. And I think that it's just a long and grueling season and, and at times they go 20 weeks in a row without, you know, any weekends or, or time off. And so as a big family person here, I might would make the change that we shorten up the schedule. For some of the for for the season, I guess, and probably this isn't a change that necessarily NASCAR is in charge of. But I would really try to work with the uh, tracks to just make a more economical weekend of it. And there's so many variables that they're not in charge of, like hotel prices and things like that. But I know the tracks themselves have tried to work on their ticket pricing and make it really affordable. But there's still things I think that can be done. So I'd maybe try to tackle that. But I don't know if I'd get that done in a day. <laughs> the next question is from Brantley Pay 010. Do your kids ever stay with Uncle Junior when he isn't racing? <laughs> I have a 
two funny stories here. Not really is my answer, but yes, they have. So really the only child of Carson, 13, Kennedy, who's eight, and Wyatt, who's two. Amy and Dale did babysit Wyatt. Gosh, he was probably maybe a year old for about an hour at my house. We ran out to get um, takeout food one <laughs> night when they were up. And so they, I'll just say Amy babysat Wyatt because when I come back, she proceeded to tell me that Dale wasn't much help at all. As far as Kennedy, Kennedy has stayed with Dale two nights. One night, I don't remember the reason. I think the first night she stayed was just because she wanted to and, and they said okay. But funny story is she got up, you know, the next morning for breakfast and Dale made her a sandwich and I, it was like an egg sandwich or something or maybe egg and bacon, but he put hot sauce on it and Dale puts hot sauce on everything. Oh. And she's like, she gets home and she's like, mom, uncle junior tried to feed me hot sauce for breakfast. And of course he didn't see anything wrong with that because that's what he eats, but <laughs> Kennedy didn't. And then she, she just recently spent the night with him uh, flying home from Sonoma. She was out visiting her dad and came home with Dale and Amy on the plane from Sonoma. She was going to stay because they, you know, they were going to get home at like one o'clock in the morning. So she was going to stay overnight with them and just come home to our house the next morning. But I got to laughing that week because it was kind of unplanned for Dale, for her to come home with Dale. And he drove his S10 to the airport with Amy. Little S10, oh, no. 1986 yeah. S10, okay? And so Kennedy, it, we call her the bag lady sometimes because she just carries so many bags of stuff. Um, with her. So she has this big suitcase and her bag and her teddy and blankie and pillow. And I, I didn't realize it until about a week after she got home that they had to ride home in the S10. So it was Dale and Kennedy in the middle and Amy in this little small cab, 1986 or whatever year it was, S10, with their luggage in the back. And Kennedy's like, you know, I had to have this in between my legs and I had this on my lap. And they had Junebug. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I thought that was quite funny. I can just picture them coming down the highway at 1 a.m. in the morning, you know, through the country and getting Uncle Junior's with all her belongings. So he is, uh, he's kind of funny with the kids. Loves to hang out with them and play. But, you know, when it comes to the actual responsibilities of doing things for them and making sure they have this or that or whatever, he kind of leaves that to, to me. <laughs> All right, I have a couple final thoughts for you, if you don't mind. These are nice and easy. Okay. Sweet or salty? Oh, gosh, it depends on the time of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to go for, it's strange, sweet when the kids are down for a nap and salty at nighttime. Okay. Beach or mountains? Beach. Florida girl. Mm -hmm. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Have two labs. Hills or flats? And we're talking shoes here. I got my heels on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is strange as a mom, but I still try and rock them once in a while. Hey, <laughs> I think that's good. I'm, I rocked my flats today because I rocked my heels yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. Massage or facial? Facial. Cook or eat out? Now with the kids, sometimes I'd rather eat at home, but Greg and I do, we are what you could call foodies. Yeah. We do like to go out and try new restaurants. Food junkies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dress or jeans and a tee? Jeans and a tea. City girl, country girl. Um, I would say city girl. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was wondering how that was going to yeah. be answered growing up yeah. in Florida because yeah. I don't really I live, consider. I grew <laughs> up in an area called Oviedo, Florida, which is the northeast side of Orlando. So it was kind of country. But yeah. like I said, my parents are New Yorkers and we went to Chicago and we still we try and go back to Chicago quite often. We probably go there. I think this just in the past six yeah. months, we've been four times. So you turned so. into city girl yeah. via oh, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Awesome. Well, once again, thanks so much for your time. Uh, certainly appreciate uh, the diversity of having you on Thank and you. Uh, talking about the football stories. And I hope you'll join us again next week on Fast Lane Family. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. I appreciate everyone tuning in to Fast Lane Family presented by Charlie Soap today. Now go visit charliesoap.com and check out their unbelievable line of cleaning products. Tackle some of your toughest cleaning projects and help support this wonderful sponsor of Dirty Mo' Radio. Again, that's charliesoap.com.